Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained 50-pound weight loss and self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches, and together with our community, we are learning to live our most courageous lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness, and empower you to feel your absolute best. Join us as we in our community share our courageous wellness. Today on the podcast, we sit down with Gabrielle Rodman. Gabrielle shares her very personal journey of experiencing debilitating pelvic floor pain and her journey to discover diagnosis and treatment. After months of experiencing debilitating symptoms, including painful sex and painful movement in her day-to-day, Gabrielle was written off by four doctors telling her that there was nothing medically wrong and to drink a glass of wine to manage the pain. Refusing to give up on herself and trusting that her pain was real, she finally found a doctor at the Centers for Vulvovaginal Disorders, where she was diagnosed with hypertonic pelvic floor muscle dysfunction. On this episode, Gabrielle details her experience being her own health advocate, struggling with painful sex as a 20-something living in New York City, and her road to recovery, which included unique treatments like pelvic floor Botox injections that completely transformed her pain. We are grateful to Gabrielle for sharing her journey and can't wait for you to hear the episode. Let us know what you think and tag us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch at www.courageouswellness.net. We have an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic offers superfood coffee and elixirs to upgrade your daily routine. The powerful antioxidants, antiviral effects, and immune-boosting properties of mushrooms transform your cup of joe from an energy-boosting treat to a health-enhancing choice. Along with mushroom coffee, Four Sigmatic also offers mushroom elixirs, mushroom hot cocos, and other shroom-filled products. Erica uses the lion's mane in her morning superfood coffee, and even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains myataki mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout, and there's also a direct link in our show notes. Thank you for joining us, Gabrielle. We're excited to talk to you today. Yes. Thank you guys so much for inviting me on. I'm so excited to talk to you guys. So to start off, can you tell us a little bit about your health journey specifically when it started and what you were specifically dealing with? Sure. So I was specifically dealing with a pelvic pain problem for about two years. Um, It began roughly November, December of 2018 and it um, was on a family trip. I started to feel a terrible pain and burning 
like inside essentially my entire vagina and just tried to ignore it. And, you know, obviously just assuming that it was a UTI or yeast infection, something that I had had previously, um, like felt pain on and off for a month. And then it came back pretty intensely. Um, so I basically ever doing anything was hard walking, sleeping, um, it was a constant pain and burning feeling is how I would describe it. If I had to pick one word, it would be like a knife-like sensation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just constant. There are a lot of people ask me, you know, is something that made it better or worse? Answer is always no. There was really nothing that I felt made it any worse, but nothing, unfortunately, that made it better. Mm. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I heavy introduction here. Yeah. Absolutely miserable. Did it come about, did anything spark it coming out? Do you think, or was it because you said it just like came out of nowhere? For sure. So I did not know what I was experiencing. All that I knew was that I originally tried to say to myself, oh, this is probably a yeast infection or a UTI because I had had those so many times before. I was just somebody who either it was my diet or, um, you know, whatever. It's something that I would get a lot. So I tried to label it something like that. But the more that I thought about it and the more that the pain persisted, I realized that this was uh, a a pain that was much greater than anything that I had Mm -hmm. before. So I started my journey with trying to identify what it was that I was experiencing and went and saw different gynecologists, starting with my main gynecologist in the city. And um, unfortunately, all of my results came back as negative. So I was negative for UTI yeast. I was negative for BV, um, bacterial vaginosis, all STDs. I mean, I was tested for literally everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it was upon seeing that everything was negative that it just validated that, okay, now it makes sense that this pain is greater to me. But then of course the panic set in of what is going on. And that begins my journey of having no doctor for the greater, I would say over a year, being able to identify what it was that was going on with my body. Wow. That's got to be really scary, especially, you know, as women, when anything sort of is going on in your in your reproductive organs, in your vagina, in that whole area, like you just, it kind of affects all aspects of your life, which I know you've mentioned in pieces that you've written as well. Can you tell us a little bit about what, how all of a sudden, like you're dealing with these symptoms, you're going to these doctors, you can't figure out what's going on. You know, you're negative for a bunch of these tests Mm -hmm. that you've gone through, but like, what is your daily life then starting to look like? And how is it affecting your typical work day or your, you know, Or even your relationships. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Well, I think number one, it has a massive um, psychological impact for sure. I mean, I was so anxious. I was so depressed all the time, um, mostly because I nobody was able to tell me what I was experiencing. And that was really scary for me, you know, as people, we put our trust in medical professionals. And so 
um, when, when they're telling you like, Hey, we don't know. We're trying to put labels on something when you know, in your heart of hearts that that just doesn't seem right. I think the anxiety starts to, um, increase more and more. Um, I became personally very isolated. Um, I just to give you like a little bit of background, even on myself, I, at the time when this started was 26. Um, so I'm 28 now. Um, but I am living in New York. I was single. I was dating. I was working for, or I, I do currently still work for a corporate luxury fashion brand for the vice president. So, you know, I, I'm expected on a day-to-day basis to perform at a very high level and, and have a really high, like, emotional capacity. And for me, during this time, I've always kind of, I would say, you know, not tightly wound negative way, but just kind of like a sensitive, um, you know, I've had anxiety in the past. So this for me just completely skyrocketed that, um, anxiety. I become very withdrawn. It was really, really hard for me to focus on my job because I have a job where I sit all day long. Um, and you know, again, I have to work with a very high level, high powered one. And, um, you know, it's, it was very difficult for me to kind of get out of what was physically going on in my body. I was so continually consumed with how I was feeling physically. And it was very, it, it almost felt like somebody was walking through the motions of a life. So I still went to work. Um, but the first, you know, when I first started experiencing this, it affected my job because there were so many days that had to be uh, cut in half, spending time at doctors, different doctor's appointments. Um, that that affected my my work, having to explain to my boss, you know, why I'm constantly leaving work early. I was very insecure and obviously didn't want to share with her, you know, hey, my, you know, my vagina hurts. I need to go to the doctor. And so that was really hard. And then, I mean, we can, we'll probably get into this later, but obviously dating. I mean, I was single and trying to be like a regular single woman and, and that was just not easy. Yeah. I have, so of course, right. Too, cause wellness and your vagina, <laughs> your vaginal health <laughs> yeah. is very connected and sexual wellness is really important and not always so talked about, I think more now than ever before. But, um, were you able, so again, like when this came on and I'm sure like we can talk about did affect, right? Like painful sex and different things that can be experienced with this. D- did you have like a normal sex life before, or was it always something that caused pain? And then now it was like out of control. So I would say like sex was always, uh, painful for me. Definitely. It was, it was always uncomfortable. I wouldn't, I I take that back. I wouldn't say painful. I would just say it was always fairly uncomfortable. Um, but you know, growing up, no, nobody really, talked about that. I mean, I don't think any, anybody really was going around saying like, Hey, did you have painful sex? Whereas now I feel like it's so much more spoken about still not to the degree that I would like, which is why I'm sharing my story. But I do feel like opposed to when I was younger, that a lot more women are talking about, you know, what sex can really be like throughout their life. So it was never 
comfortable for me. It always felt very tight and my muscles did always feel restricted Mm -hmm. and almost like, uh, you know, kind of like force, you know, you were forcing something that wasn't meant to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it was never pleasurable for me, but it wasn't that I was incapable of having it. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's so interesting because like you said, um, a lot of women experience painful sex, right? And that was your first symptom before all these other things started happening to you. But we, I think a lot of women ignore it or don't know who to talk to. So how then did you go from all these symptoms to finally figuring out a way to start getting help? Like, how did you keep being an advocate for your own health when nobody knew what was going on? Just constant research. I mean, I knew that something was wrong with me and I refused to, I refused to just like accept like, okay, I'm just going to be pain forever. So I went to my original gynecologist who, who knew me in the city and she figured out wrong with me all the tests were negative. Um, and she actually asked me about sex and what that was like for me worse. And I just said like, that's not even something that I'm thinking about right now. This is like a day to day, um, burning in pain. I said, but yes, sex, I answered the same way that I did with you. You know, sex was, has always been kind of like uncomfortable for me, but I just thought that that was like my normal, you know, bodily response to it. And, um, she too, like thought that that was kind of like normal and just kind of like focused sex parts. Like, you know, you seem very uptight and anxious right now, you know, and I know you've probably heard this with Laura or with um, other speakers who have about having a similar issue, but she literally needs to have a glass of wine. Have I ever anxiety medication? or, you know, an antidepressant and was prying into what I was doing for a living. And wow, that sounds like a very double wears Prada type of job. And it was like making me feel crazy. Like she was basically paint, painting this picture that like I was a basket case and this entire vagina issue was anxiety based. So, I mean, I left that first appointment feeling like, okay, this woman is unless a test result comes back as, you know, a red flag, she's going to write me off as this is just um, something psychological. So mm-hmm. I went to a couple and I didn't want to share this. With it's not even like I could ask my girlfriends for like a referral to somebody else. I felt, you know, em- embarrassed to even talk about, you know, what, what sex at times felt with for me. So, um, I just researched different gynecologists in the city to see two more, um, a man and a woman to see if I was kind of get a response. And the response was very similar. I do believe I went into those appointments anxious because I was anxious. So, um, you know, I, you, it's very difficult to contain um, your emotion. I, I for sure was getting emotionally exhausted. I think at a couple of appointments, I would start to cry. I was so drained. And by showing my emotion, it was like just easier for doctors to write me off as being emotional or this being a psychological problem. But basically, to answer your question, it was just I had so much... Um, 
drive to find out what was wrong with me because I was so low uh, mentally and every part of my life was compromised that after the third doctor basically told me like this was going to be my life and um, perhaps like something at the gym like triggered this um, response. Maybe it was a soul cycle class. I mean like the responses were startling. Um, and then, um, also telling me that perhaps I was going through premenopause and to start using topical estrogen. So it's like a lot of taking spaghetti, throwing it up against the wall and exactly what sticks. Yeah. I mean, Gosh, that's so hard. And as someone who hasn't had the same issues, but I've had medical things, right? Where like I went through a cancer diagnosis, I had to have surgeries and I had multiple opinions on different things and different doctors who would do things differently. And it's an anxious process. Anytime you're dealing with anything with your physical health or your mental health, but, but there's, when there's something going on with your body, let's just like specify with that, you are going to have an emotional response. That's a natural part of processing something that's feeling out of your control, especially when it's an emotional situation where you're also going to professionals and feeling really defeated over and over again. And I don't hold, I mean, listen, we all have you know, I have skepticism about certain aspects of our medical industry, but I also have a lot of great respect for wonderful doctors out there who are doing wonderful work. I think it's not a system where they're particularly supported, but I also think this sort of like idea of it's in your head. You know, I had someone say to me, I had a doctor say to me that when I asked him to check out something that was going on with my back, he dismissed it and said, don't worry about it, right? And it's like, had I not worried about it, I wouldn't have found out sooner. Like, you do have to be your own advocate. You do have to, you know, um, really get in touch with your intuitive parts, which you did, and were like, no, I'm not going to live like this. I'm not going to accept this. Like, I'm going to keep going but it's a defeating process. So the idea that your emotions or your anxiety, which is a natural response to the experience you're actually just having, um, is causing <laughs> the physical pain. Yeah. It just seems like such a kind of a cop out. And so women specific, right? Because they would never tell a man, go drink a glass of wine. And I know that's a different conversation or like, go take a yoga class, like go relax. Relax. Um, Yeah, it never. So what, so then maybe you can guide us through when and what did your diagnosis end up being? Sure. So after countless uh, depressing doctor's appointments, no hopes, um, I got my mom involved. So she had been with me kind of from the beginning because I started experiencing this pain on a family trip. So my mom and I are very, very close and very fortunate to have such an open relationship with her that I can say like, okay, you know, my vagina feels like it's going to fall off. Something's not right here. So she was with me there from the beginning. So I called her up and I was like at my breaking point. No one's believing me. Um, they, you know, no one can find, figure out what's wrong with me. So she got online as well. And together uh, we found Dr. Goldstein in New York. Um, he is at the Centers for Vulvovaginal Disorders. 
um, and he's based both in Washington, D.C. and New York. So at that point, again, it, it kind of felt like me just searching for another doctor and a hopeful answer. Um, so I didn't go into to that appointment thinking like that this was going to be as groundbreaking as it really was. The wait list was about a month. He does not accept insurance. He has uh, a lot of different patients that he sees, obviously being in two locations and not being based in New York solely. So I waited a month to see him. Um, and it was a it was a very expensive appointment. I think it was like a thousand dollars just to have it, or maybe five hundred. One of the appointments was a thousand dollars just to have a consultation. Um, but he was absolutely unbelievable, and um, I can tell you a little bit about that appointment. It was it started with uh, a physical examination. Um, well, first it started with a conversation where I told him why I was there. And he asked everything from my symptoms to my background, where I was living, if I was in a relationship, um, even like had I had any type of like abuse history, like it was a very um, deep, I think, detailed conversation. He has an impeccable bedside manner. He is so kind, so compassionate. I just felt very like at peace throughout the entire um, kind of like discussion and something that is obviously just dis- very difficult to discuss uh, in general, let alone with a, you know, a man. Um, so I sh- took him through the whole story. Then he did a very, um, again, detailed physical examination, where, which to him was called a Q-tip test, where he literally took a Q-tip um, put it inside my vagina and felt all of these different spots and would say like, okay, here, rate your pain level from one to 10. If I touch here, how are you feeling? And the pain was unlike any other pain I had ever felt in my life just from being tapped with a Q-tip. So following that, put my clothes back on, went into his office and he took out a piece of paper and he said, I know exactly what is wrong with you. Um, and he said, or he's, he, and I was like, okay, like, hallelujah, let's, let's hear it. Um, and he, his exact diagnosis was hypertonic pelvic floor muscle disorder. Hmm. So tell us a little bit about what that is. Or, or yeah, does he so know, like, I said, what, the are? what, what is that's the, those are the questions that I asked. So I was like, okay, what does that, what does that even mean? And basically he drew a diagram that explained that my muscles were so overly tense and tight in my pelvic floor. So the muscles in my pelvis that basically hold my female organs in place, they were so tight that they were unable to receive and circulate oxygen properly in that area that in turn the body create creates acid and that acid is what is what creates the burning sensation wow so as a woman you can experience a pelvic floor disorder where you have the opposite problem where after perhaps childbirth or something else your your muscles in that area can become too loose um, so that's why I say, you know, do Kegels, 
So for me, it was the opposite. My muscles were so tight that they weren't unable to function normally on their own anymore. They were in constant spasm. So that was that diagnosis. It's so Um, amazing though, because even like, I've never heard of what you're sharing, but again, I know a lot of people who have painful sex or painful issues, right? And it's, it's just, there's so many things. It's just fascinating to me that we're not taught about our body, about what could be going wrong. It's just thoughts I'm having as you're talking. It's just mind blowing. Right. Or it took this many doctors for you. I mean, I was, I was literally no pun intended, but like floored. I was literally no pun intended, but like floored. When he said that word, I was like, what does that even mean? And how does somebody like, I was almost, I was just horrified. I was like, how do I not know that my body can do this? Did I get this? Is the thing that I brought on myself? You know what I mean? Like I, so many questions that I was firing at me. And I did ask, you know, how do you think that you did? Because I was unable to pinpoint what triggered this because I didn't have an infection. But through talking with him, I did explain that I was somebody who had had kind of a period of chronic yeast infection. I was getting them, you know, I had maybe five in a six month time period, which was a lot for me. Yeah. Um, and that I had been through a lot of change. I had moved to the city. I, my workout patterns had changed. My diet has changed. Like there was a lot, but specifically what I loved and appreciated so much, uh, was that he was able to say to me, Gabrielle, I don't know exactly what caused this. It can be triggered by a lot of different things in combination. So you know, you're telling me that you're always somebody who has had uncomfortable sex, like ding, ding, like that's not normal. Like sex shouldn't be painful. Um, so your body could have always kind of been like, you could have had just had tighter muscles in general. Like I was a ballerina for years. Um, and that's so much obviously of holding your core. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in my childhood, like I think in many ways I was like a little up through a lot of different years. So Perhaps, you know, my anxiety did attribute to this, but it wasn't. This was not obviously a psychological thing. So he honestly told me that there was not just one thing, but he did think that the series of infections could have been kind of what just put it over the edge. Um, yeah, yeah, and really caused this pain to just come out full force. Well, and you know, it's interesting that he's like, it's not just one thing. I mean, it makes sense. Sometimes we want that like one thing. To, so it's like a, an easy sort of answer, right? But it makes sense that it would be a combination of things. And then, so talk to us now a little bit about the approach to treatment. I know um, he suggested something that sort of is unusual, but that ultimately really helped you, correct? Yeah. So he suggested a couple things to me that were very uncomfortable to think about and very unusual. Um, so the first method of treatment, he came up with kind of like a treatment plan for me specifically. Um, and the level of, I guess, severity of how bad my muscles were, because he was honestly like for your age, like your muscles are really bad. Um, so this was 
you know, it might take a lot to, to bring it back down to a state. This could be like years built up of, you know, tension. So um, he started with pelvic floor physical therapy. So I had no idea what that meant, but there are physical therapists out there all over the world who literally specialize in the muscles in the pelvis. So whether your muscles are too tight or whether muscles are too loose, they both and all the issues with um, any type of problem from bladder issues and um, urgency issues to pain that I was experiencing. He told me to start with pelvic floor physical therapy. He suggested Beyond Basics, which is a pelvic um, floor physical therapy clinic um, in Midtown. I think they have other locations as well, but I specifically went in Midtown. Um, and he told me to start doing that two times a week and to specifically do this like myofascial, it's called release, which is they're literally um, a physical therapist who I have a nice young who they're, they're very kind and they're sensitive to you up with you emotionally as well. They're like on this journey with you. Um, they massage the muscles of your of your pelvis and, and attempt to bring them back to a normal state by pressing on them, um, giving you working with you to to relax your pelvic floor through different breathing techniques, different yoga poses, and different things that you can practice even sitting at my desk at work because something I had to learn was how I can get through my job with less focus on the pain. So she taught me different techniques that I could even do sitting at my desk from breathing to um, even movements that actually relax the muscles in your pelvis. So that was the first order of business. And coupled with that was these um, diazepam suppositories. So let's just say the thought of shoving anything up me was not an enjoyable thought. And these things were pretty big. So um, basically, it was a muscle relaxer for my vagina. And I actually did not have a good response to them. Okay. So you gave that a try and then you didn't it, it was not a positive experience. Yeah, it just felt like to me, unfortunately, it burning worse. I like to like joke that through now I, that I can find light in this. Um, now I can joke that I have like a sensitive vagina because I obviously had had this issue, but like have had yeast infections chronically in the past that it just, it felt like it irritated me more instead of calming my system down. So I kind of called him up and was frantic that, you know, this, this isn't working for me. This is making the sensation worse. So he just said calmly, okay, you know, just stop, let's stop those and let's just focus on the physical therapy. And I tried physical therapy for seven to eight months. And I just, I just did not see any, and I'm being truthful with you. I'm women worse of there that I was with and it had no reflection on them. It, I just, my body just did not respond to physical therapy. Um, and I, I obviously want to reiterate through this whole podcast that different people respond in totally different ways to all different methods of treatment. And 
it, this just did not work for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good, that's a good thing to just remember is that like every human is different. And so what may work for one person is not necessarily what works for the next, but, you know, speaking, this is why we tell stories because knowing like educating people on just like different options of what's out there, you then can at least sort of make decisions as far as like what would be best for you. Or even hearing, right? Like painful sex isn't normal, which again, I've, I've heard stories or read articles where it was like someone just thought that it was normal because her and her friends never talked about it. So, and we all hear, right? When you lose your virginity, it is painful. So they thought it was just a part of that. So again, thank you for sharing your story. Um, but so when did, um, the vaginal Botox come in? Cause that is so fascinating as well. You, you know, so yeah. you're saying like the physical therapy didn't work. These suppositories didn't work. Like Botox for your vagina. <laughs> like when we were yeah, probably I four. mean, I can't even to this day. Uh, I mean, now more people know about it and we, my friends and I joke about it. You know, my, my boyfriend knows about it. Like it sounds like a whole blown up thing. But yes, so this is something that Dr. Goldstein had mentioned at the beginning. So when he came up with this treatment plan for me, he said, this is how we treat something like this. Step one, physical therapy coupled with diazepam suppositories. Very important to bring in general calming techniques such as yoga, even hypnotism, like whatever might work, um, as well as cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and then he did mention uh, Botox in your pelvic floor as kind of like a last resort. Um, not that necessarily he was concerned about it, but obviously wanted to try less invasive techniques first. Mm-hmm. So when after seven months, I realized that this just wasn't working for me and the physical therapy was not going as I hoped. I called him literally on a park bench in Central Park in tears saying, I'm, I'm having a horrible pain day. I mean, I'm in agony. I can't do this anymore. And my depression from the, all of this was really, really bad. And Dr. Goldstein told me like, you know, do what you can to, to try and get your emotions in as calm of a place as you can, because this is going to be a vicious cycle. So the more anxious and uptight that you are, mind body connection, Mm -hmm. it can tighten your pelvic floor muscles even more. And then on this call, he said, look, I'll see you today. It was, I think he just felt so bad for me. Again, he was so, so, so compassionate. I went into his office that day and I was like, Let, let's go, like shoot me up with this Botox. Um, and he did three injections uh, at different, in different parts of my pelvic floor. Uh, I was shocked because I didn't even know that one would even get Botox in their vagina. I mean, I, I tried to make light of the situation because I was so uncomfortable still and like couldn't even believe in that moment that I was about to get Botox there like this is so unfair I should be getting this in my forehead like what is going on um my first injection was 
May of 2018. And he did three different spots internally. Uh, so specifically hit three different muscles. And then the waiting period was three to four months, closer to four month mark that you had to wait until you got your next injection. So he explained to me that everybody again responds differently. You might need one injection of Botox. You might need two. You might need three. He sees patients that have, you know, perhaps need them every month. So it's very different. We kind of have to go as a team together and see how my body responds to the Botox. Um, and I can tell you that right after I had the first injection, my pain probably went from like a level seven, which is pretty high for me. I like to think that I have a high pain tolerance to like a level nine. So I went into, again, a state of panic. Like, is this not gonna work for me as well? We want to take a quick break from this episode to tell you about today's sponsor and one of our favorite wellness brands, Ned. Ned produces the highest quality full spectrum CBD from organic hemp plants sourced entirely from an independent farm in Colorado. After interviewing co-founder Adrian Zimmerman on the podcast and trying their products, Allie and I were both instant fans of the products and of the company. As someone who struggles with anxiety, my favorite product is definitely the full spectrum hemp oil line. I notice a huge difference in my anxiety, sleep, and general mood when I take it consistently, so I have made it part of my daily self-care routine. Every day I use the 750 milligram tincture and do two droplets under my tongue in the morning and evening. I also love applying the hemp infused body butter to my neck and shoulders before bed as I am winding down and always use my tincture as an alternative to any pain medication if I get hit with a headache. What's great about Ned is that they also offer a North Star membership where with zero commitment, I can have my favorite products delivered monthly at an extra discount with free shipping and no annual fee. I have also become a dedicated user of Ned products and have been able to replace my monthly use of ibuprofen to manage period discomfort with Ned's natural cycles collection of salves, tinctures, and roll-ons. This collection is slow crafted with love from an extraordinary group of women and provides a more holistic anti-inflammatory and natural pain relief option. Also, I recently started incorporating Ned's limited release immunity blend tincture into my routine as well. This blend combines botanicals, herbs, and fungi to offer functional immune support. 100% of profits are donated to EcoHealth Alliance to support their fight against pandemics and promotion of conservation. If you want to check out Ned and try their CBD for yourself, we have a special offer for the Courageous Wellness audience. Go to www.helloned.com slash CW podcast. That's H E L L O N E D dot com slash CW podcast to get 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Thank you, Ned. We know you're going to love it. You can also find the direct link in our show notes and check out all of their wellness products. Now back to the episode. Did it, did the injections itself actually hurt too, or was that just the after effect? Just for the injection. Yeah, I'll be a hundred percent honest yeah. and say, like, it is not a pleasant experience. You know, get, getting Botox in your forehead 
now I've had Botox in my forehead after I've had it in my vagina. It's not, a, you know, it's not enjoyable. It's not comfortable. Yeah. yeah. But I was in such a high level of pain that at that point, I did not care. Like my pain tolerance, I was, I was so uncomfortable that the thought of there being a solution out there that could take away this pain and allow me to regain my life. Like, I just didn't care how it was going to feel. But it was not comfortable at all. I was worried that I was going to kick him and the nurse in their face. <laughs> um, nobody, nobody was injured, thankfully. But it was uncomfortable. And it wasn't just like one prick and you're, you're over. He had to trigger multiple muscles. Because for me, there were multiple muscles that were in really bad shape. And after the injection my my body felt even more sensitive. Um, and that's something that I like to be honest with as well, because I never want to paint the picture that you get Botox and it's just this quick cure where you wake up and you're pain-free. Like that is not how it happened for me at all. And again, I know somebody else who has actually had this and had a different response where she had Botox and she felt better quite, quite, um, quickly after, whereas I had it and there was about a two week period mm. where the pain felt a lot worse. And it was like, after that two week mark, I woke up one morning and it was just, my pain was no longer the first thing that I thought when I opened my eyes. And that's when wow. I knew that something had just kind of kicked in, in my body. Wow. That's, um, that's amazing. Especially like, I can't imagine being in that two week threshold where you're like hoping, 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 oh my God, is this getting worse? Is this getting worse? Like, could it even be worse than it was before? That kind of thing. And exactly. then one day, like you, you know, you don't notice that first thing. I mean, that had to feel like such an incredible relief. Did it continue to dissipate like from that time, like two weeks in, then you finally felt some relief. Did it, in that first sort of injection or set of injections, did that round, did it get better over like after that two week mark? Or then did you go for another round? Like what was the process about of improving your pain from that point on? Sure. So after the two weeks, it, so it was pretty bad for two weeks. Then I woke up, I felt like it wasn't the first thought in my mind. I felt like I could move around a lot easier. Um, and the pain level had dropped like a whole one degree. So if my pain level was an eight, I would say it was a seven. So I saw improvement, but I would say it was like dramatic improvement. Like it was still there, but it was definitely less intense. And I think with every week, for a couple more weeks, it started to get less and less. Um, and then it kind of like leveled off. So it became maybe like a consistent level six, which for me, like I'll take it. Um, but it did not go away. Um, it was still distracting. It was still like, I didn't really have any desire to work out, nor do I think I could have gotten through an entire workout class. Um, and then at that point, I went back in for a second round of injections in October. So the first round was May, second was October. So about four to four to five months, roughly, um, between. So 
I had a, just a period of like consistency, just a, just a kind of like plateau that I hit. Um, and then I went back in and got my second round and the same thing, my body had the exact same response where at first it was really painful. Again, I did the same thing to myself where I was like, Oh no, it's going back. It's reverting back to what it was. Cause it's scary. It becomes just terrifying all over again. When you, when you get that feeling, um, it becomes hard to control your emotions because you've just gone through something so traumatic. Um, so after the second round, it was way better, the pain level than the first. And so I became hopeful that if I was to get a third round, which I did my third and final round, that it would get even better. So with every round of Botox, it definitely decreased my pain level, but I really didn't start to see it till the second. And then the third totally knocked my pain away. Wow. wow. So you, you would say like after the third round, would you call yourself pain-free? Yes. The third round I was pain-free and I have been knock on wood pain-free to date. So that third round was in February of 2018 wow. and I have been pain-free since, but since that third round of Botox, there were things that I was doing coupled with the Botox right. that I do think really helped. Right. And what, what were some of those things that you did just if you can share? And again, it's different for every person, but I think it is helpful if anyone's at the beginning of their journey, just to learn from, from you who's been through it. Sure. So I think there was three main things that really helped me. Uh, the first being, I saw a cognitive behavioral therapist twice a week. Mm -hmm. So I did talk therapy. Um, I had seen a therapy, a therapist, excuse me, before, but this was kind of a different type of therapy um, where there's more like you're talking through the entire session. So it's not where a therapist just sits there and you just kind of like unload what you're going through and they give you like a few words here and there, very conversational. Um, and it's very technique based. So my therapist would give me a lot of uh, different exercises and even worksheets to like help me when I was in a really anxious state, specifically something that really helped me. And it might sound hokey, but was like a facts and fears chart that mm -hmm. I would do regularly. So it was kind of like when I would get those places in mind where I thought that the pain was never going to get a, go away or it was coming back full force. And I would have all of these, you know, a lot of negative self-talk and a lot of what she called catastrophic thinking. These would give me different techniques that would help me get myself out of this negative thought pattern. Like, well, writing down that after the second round of Botox, feel better. So kind of logging and keeping track because when you have something painful going on, it's so easy to forget a moment where you actually did feel a little bit better. Right. So that was one thing was the therapy on a consistent basis. I wasn't talking to many people about this issue. So having somebody that I could talk through my anxiety and emotional state with twice a week, I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, I'm very pro therapy. It was me originally too. hard for me to talk about this issue. I hadn't seen a therapist in over a year. So 
they, when my therapist asked me like, why are you here? And I said that I've had this painful vaginal problem. Like that was a really uncomfortable way to start. Um, and it just felt very odd to me. So it was definitely hard, but it became something that to and it became the end of the week like an emotional release and in addition to that I went to acupuncture so I saw a Korean acupuncturist four times a week um this particular acupuncturist I've gotten a lot of like dms on instagram because I've touched on acupuncture but never said specifically who she was so I'll say she is, um, the company is called Revival Acupuncture and Herbs. If you're in New York, it's on 75th and York. It's a different style of acupuncture where they actually twist the needles through the entire time that you're there. So oh, it's usually an hour session and they turn the needles and she targets specific organs in your body. So for me, it was the liver. I don't really understand any of that. So. I'm super into acupuncture because <laughs> I've had some great results with it. But yeah, it really can. I know it's like a whole different the way like the meridians in the body and yes. it's pretty incredible. But um, it's interesting you talking about both of these in addition to the Botox, right? That like yeah. different therapies you really approached what you were going through with a holistic mindset in the sense of like, I need some of this, some of this, some of this. Maybe it's like that there's not one quick fix for anything. And I think that's sort of like a good metaphor is like, I think sometimes culturally we just want to like take a pill or slap a bandaid on oh, something. Yeah. It's like that's not really the way it works. Like our body is fully connected, right? The mind body connection is real. Like you were talking about it's We're so much like more, you know, our, I feel like we often compartmentalize like the body in Western medicine. And that's something that I think acupuncture is really interesting because it, it doesn't, it talks about how it's all connected. And, um, but even the way you approached like co combining CBT, CBT, yeah. Co cognitive behavioral therapy. I have friends mm -hmm. who, who really like talk wonders about that, that sort of form of therapy and the, um, and the Botox, you know, just combining these different things with the acupuncture, all of it together and, and sort of creating a holistic approach to your treatment. I think that's, it's great. It's sort of a sign that sometimes we need to do a lot of things throughout our life to, to sort of adjust and, and move forward. Yeah, absolutely. I was really sensitive too at first about the anxiety being such a component. And I think that was because of my experience with the doctors initially trying yeah. to make this out to be like anxiety based issues. So when people specifically like Dr. Goldstein and my physical therapist started to talk to me about the importance of anxiety reduction, I got a little defensive and like kind of went back to that feeling of like doubt of do they think that my mental state is a part of this? But now I can confidently say that I definitely understand why they said that. There is absolutely, like you said, a mind-body connection. And even for me, another huge component of this process to healing or however you want to call it was uh, anxiety medication. Mm -hmm. And again, different things work for different people, but 
this heightened anxiety that I had at a level that I had personally never experienced before. And I needed something to help me get to a place where I could function day to day and focus. And it became really, really difficult for me to focus on anything besides my pain so much so that I would be in a constant state of an anxiety attack where I know that, you know, if you're someone out there who's ever struggled with anxiety, you know, your body reacts to that, whether it's chest, chest pounding or sweating or whatever it may be. Like I was definitely making the issue worse unintentionally. Um, so I needed something to help me. And, um, I took, um, anxiety medication coupled with my therapy. And I will tell you that since having that last round of Botox, there was only one time in particular that I've had a pain flare up, a really bad pain flare up. And that was in August. And I was visiting a girlfriend of mine in Texas. I was having a great time. I was distracted. This was wonderful because I was finally, you know, being able to get out there and be social, which I hadn't been able to do in so long. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a situation at all where you would think that it would be anxiety provoking for me. But I felt my pain come back completely out of nowhere. I was sitting on the beach and I felt pain in my vagina. Mm -hmm. And to me, in my head, it felt like it did day one. I mean, truly, it felt like the pain when it had all started, you know, the day that I was on vacation with my family. And then when I felt that pain, I am filled with this, consumed with this sense of dread and terror. I had this feeling of like, oh my God, the pain is back. Why is it back? What is going on? I called Dr. Goldstein again from, uh, from like the beach saying, I've been pain-free for months. I've been so good. What is happening to me? And he had to talk me through and explain, asking me had I changed anything from my routine? Had anything happened? And I said, well, I don't know. I can't, I can't figure out what it could be. The only thing that I have done is I recently stopped taking my anxiety medication. Mm. Yeah, I was gonna, that's what I was going to ask too. It's like, well, first of all, I just wanted to say thank you for sharing everything you've shared about your like, you know, whole mind body connection with, you know, the medical, the emotional, the physical. Sure. But um, I think that's what's so interesting as we keep saying, it's like, that's why it's not one size fits all. And I feel like sometimes with Instagram and with podcasts and be like, this is what works. This is the solution. But it's like, for some people, it might be antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication and then that that works for them with whatever ailment. And for somebody else, that can make them go cuckoo or like, you know, like it can totally. make them feel wild. And for somebody else, they have great experiences in like physical therapy with their pelvic floor. And then for somebody else, it, like you said, it doesn't work at all. So again, keeping all of this in mind is so crucial as we figure out solutions for ourselves in all areas of life <laughs> pretty much. Um, but I just have a, that those were, I had two questions based on everything you shared. So you haven't had to go back to the Botox, but have you continued the other three things, you know, uh, since you haven't experienced pain? And then um, were you dating at this time? Because I do think a lot of people experiencing things like this, it can affect, right, their romantic relationships. And that can be, um, 
a struggle. So that I just wanted to see your opinion on those, those two things. So to answer your first question, yes, I have not had to get Botox since, but I have stayed true to my regimen of going to acupuncture three to four times a week. So I still do that. I do I do it specifically for just maintenance, I guess you would call it. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me feel good. It helps me even just control my anxiety. So I think that it's something that really worked for me again, because I don't know if it, I can't say that it was just the Botox that got me to that place. And that's why I stuck with acupuncture because it was something that at that time I was doing coupled with, um, the Botox. So I didn't want to take that out of the equation. Mm. So I have continued to do that. And I don't always go four times a week. You know, I usually go at least two, um, but sometimes more if I can, depending on my on my schedule. But I do still talk to my therapist twice a week, the beginning of the week and the very end of the week. Um, one usually being an in-person session and the, the second being uh, FaceTime. And that is very, very helpful because this woman has been there for me from the start and onset of the pain issue to where I am today. So thus, it's very helpful. There are days today that I still wake up and fear that that pain could come back because that's something real that I have to be able to face is that it could come back. And now the positive is that I know what to do and what works for my body specifically, but it doesn't mean that I'm no longer afraid and have fears. I, I, I have days where I wake up and have a really hard day mentally. And I, I fear that I fear it coming back and impacting my life. Um, or I think down the road about the future. And if I have kids could having a baby, you know, set that pain off again from the pressure of that. And that's, again, a possibility that Dr. Goldstein has talked uh, to me with. But these are fears that I'm able to talk through with my therapist instead of letting them ruminate and letting my anxiety go to that place. That's why therapy for me has been such an outlet. So I'm not I'm not allowing these fears to take over and let me forget that the good place that I've been in for so long. Yeah. And then, so with dating, were you dating yeah. during this time? And you know, what was that? Yeah. Were you dating during this time? I <laughs> or did you? because it, to me, it's honestly the most emotional, I think, part of this journey because I wouldn't say I was dating. I would say I was trying to date. I was single at the time and now I have a boyfriend, but during this time I was on Bumble and Hinge and I was, you know, going on all these dates. And I was at first when the issue was really bad, I wasn't. My day consisted of barely getting through work and going to bed with ice packs dripping between my legs. I mean, it very, very upsetting. Um, so I, I could barely get through the day. But then after maybe the first round of Botox, maybe even a little before, I went back on the apps. And it was more of just a way to like distract myself, to be honest. Um, I was seeking, I think, comfort in other people 
without sharing my issue. I didn't share what I was going through uh, on these dates, but I was just seeking connection and I was feeling very lonely and isolated. And so I would go on these dates, but in many cases I was still in physical pain. So it was very hard to, to get outside myself. It was very hard to enjoy a date in many instances drink way too much wine on the dates to be if I'm being honest I was very insecure I was I was so not in the moment almost like thinking you know what if I like this person and we start seeing each other and I have I'm not able to have sex at all or I'm still in pain like my mind on these dates would go there before I even know knew if I even liked this person so I wasn't present. I um, I think there were a couple people that I saw consistently. I, I, I'm not a person who likes online dating. So the few guys that um, actually got to a point where there was a possibility that this was going to escalate to a moment where we might try to have sex, it was very emotional. Like it was very daunting. It was hard to keep from like breaking down because I was very fragile. Like I had so much anxiety about what it was going to be like. And if that person was going to think I was a complete freak and never talk to me again, just because of that. And I did attempt to like sleep with somebody uh, that I had been seeing consistently. And it was, a there was a very negative reaction. It was like, it was, it wasn't that I was incapable of doing it. It was so painful that it, I didn't continue. And I also, became so emotional during and after that it was just like I like stop stop like we're it's over like we're you know we're done and it was very very distressing for me and I was very embarrassed um and that person unfortunately did not respond to it instead of asking me you know what's going on trying to like communicate with me about it it was just like very negative didn't end up talking to me again and I had a couple of those experiences where I tried to share with somebody that I felt like I was getting close to what I was going on. And I, I would try to share that by saying, have you ever heard of endometriosis? And I don't know why I ever used endometriosis as something to compare it to because it's they're two completely different things. And I think that I had heard um, Lara's story and I had heard, other people like friends, sisters who, who had had endometriosis and painful sex or painful periods. And so I tried to like label it as that because they felt like it may be a word that they had heard before or something that they could like try to understand. Mm -hmm. I think that that was what my thought process behind that was instead of just saying I, my vagina hurts and I'm, it, sex might be excruciatingly painful. This felt easier to explain, but nonetheless, it was not received. Um, ironically, yeah. I have a boyfriend now who is somebody that knew me from the start of this entire issue. And there were really only a couple people that I opened up to about this experience. And that was my mother, my therapist, um, maybe one girlfriend and my current boyfriend who was then my guy friend who 
had had feelings for me during that time, but was seeing me go on date after date after date, coming home, hysterically crying, venting to him, I'm going to die alone. No one's ever going to love me. I'm never going to be able to have children. And his response was like, okay, that's not going to happen. Like that's, that's not going to happen for you. And just as a male being there for me and listening to me and me saying like sex is excruciating painful to him and having him like not blink twice and just be like, I'm so sorry to hear that you're going through that. If a guy is going to write you off because you're not able to have sex as your friend, that's probably not somebody that you deep down want to be with long-term. Right. Yeah. So it's so great that you were able, and again, exactly all those other guys, not the right ones. And it's amazing that this friend who was really there for you is now your boyfriend. But yeah, again, the the right, there are men out there who, you know, it's not always about the sex, but I'm glad that now you are able to have (laughs) enjoyable sex and, and, have, you know, no pain through this process. That's so wonderful. And you've kind of already answered this question um, that we always ask, but so, you know, if these are your only three things, but your self-care practices, we always ask, you know, our guests, what are things you do to take care of yourself, especially when you're undergoing such stressful and um, trying times or, you know, but it sounds like your therapy and your your acupuncture really like you're doing it. Yeah. Therapy, acupuncture, anxiety reduction being huge, not just the therapy. I take a medication daily, like an anti-anxiety medication that just helps control my anxiety levels. I do more mindful techniques. So like previously I might be somebody that like gets involved in like a Netflix show and watches that before bed. Now, like before I go to bed, I consciously take time to like do something quiet and peaceful before bed, like reading. Um, and I like to, to do like something like that that gets me again, like out of myself, but is peaceful. So a lot of like faith-based inspirational, not, and that doesn't have to be any type of faith, but just something like positive um, is, is helpful for me. And, uh, I would say also, I'll be very honest that during this process, I use a set of dilators that were recommended to me through my physical therapist. So this is something that I hadn't heard of before, but like a dilator literally does just what it says. It like basically stretches the muscles of your vagina. So it was, it's like a silicone um, based kind of like stick and just kind of shaped like a penis and it comes in different sizes. So this set that I had purchased was like six different sizes and through the process of healing your pelvic pain, you start with the lowest dilator, which when some people have a pelvic pain problem, they might not even be able to insert the first dilator, which is basically like the size of a tampon. So through this process, you continually um, are able to increase your dilator. So I did that 
while I was going through Botox, while I was in this like pain cycle, I still use them now. Um, and again, like, even though I have a boyfriend to me, my sex is no longer painful, but there are times where like, if I you know, haven't seen him for, you know, three weeks or if I'm traveling, like, and then I go to have sex, like it is uncomfortable. So I use dilators as just a way of like keeping my body from familiar mm-hmm. with um, like that kind of like sensation and keeping my muscles stretched just as if you would. And I can't even like, sometimes it's hard for me to believe that I'm talking about this because it's so personal and so something that I never thought I would ever have to deal with or talk about. But now that I know that there's a lot of women that actually silently struggle with something like this, I like to talk about all of those details. Like even something as as graphic as like using a dilator, like I'll still put, if I feel like it's going to be like tight or uncomfortable, like I'll put them in the freezer and use those. And then that's it. Like that, that, that's part of my um, regimen that, that works for me. And just as if somebody would you do yoga or do something to work out their arm or their leg. I now view it as just another part of the body that needs to stay relaxed and worked out as well. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that and being so open and honest and, you know, sharing the vulnerable stuff because I do think ultimately, you know, we help people by doing that. Um, so our last question before we wrap up yeah. is, do you have, you were just saying like you're reading inspirational things that really helps you. Do you have um, something specific, whether it's a podcast or a book um, that you've maybe read recently that you would lo- like to um, suggest for our listeners or something like over the course of your journey that has meant a lot to you? Sure. I would say ultimately it would be more a word of positive advice, which would be that you need to be an advocate for yourself and in your body to never give up during a time that can feel so hopeless. If anybody's listening to this podcast currently, regardless of what their issue might be, whether it's painful bladder, whether it's like urgency, whatever the issue is that you're experiencing, like know that there's someone out there that is, has, or is experiencing something similar and that like there is somebody out there who's going to be able to figure it out. And I think what helped me through this journey was just remaining so persistent, doing that research and um, just not letting anybody tell me that I was crazy or this was in my head. Because if I had sat back and accepted that this was just one big anxiety attack, then I don't think that I would be where I am today. And, um, then in terms of like literature, there was a book that I had been reading, uh, during this time called heal healing pelvic pain by Amy Stein. We had her on the podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So she's part of beyond basics, my physical therapy. Yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. She's been on. Oh my God. She talked um, about endometriosis specifically, but, um, yeah, she was on the podcast. Yeah. So her book is wonderful. Um, specifically for me, I mean, the breathing techniques, the stretches again, like I don't have endometriosis, but still like I was able to take that, um, 
that part of her book and, and that was really helpful for me. I've never been somebody who enjoys um, meditation. So um, finding out again, what worked for me was really, really helpful. Yeah. And I love too, cause right. Like books, dilators, these are all things that are accessible to everybody. If they maybe don't have health insurance or they can't access a doctor, you know, um, they're accessible things that we can try. So thank you for sharing those two items. And so where can everybody find you on the internet? If any of our listeners want to get in touch with you. That is a great question. So they can find me on Instagram. If anybody wants to send me a message, I have been getting a lot of messages from people that have heard my other podcasts. So my Instagram handle is Gabrielle, G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-E with three underscores, Morgan, M-O-R-G-A-N. And then I have an article currently posted, actually I have two on Medium with the same handle, Gabrielle Morgan, one about dating in New York and what's that like, dating on the apps, and then two about my journey with um, my painful vagina and healing uh, my pelvic pain. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.